1: Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today.
2: You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast.
1: From KQED.
0: This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Governor Gavin Newsom has vetoed a bill that would have established pilot project safe drug injection sites staffed by trained clinicians in Oakland, San Francisco, and Los Angeles. Proponents of the bill say the sites would have saved lives as overdose deaths in the state increase. Joining us to talk about the governor's veto is Democratic State Senator Scott Weiner of San Francisco, the author of the bill. Thanks for joining us, Senator.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: So what is your response to Newsom's veto?
2: It's devastating. A huge coalition and various cities have been working for years and years to get simply permission from the state to open these sites. Just permission, because so many people are dying of drug overdoses on our streets. In San Francisco, it's two per day, just in San Francisco. And these sites, over 30 years around the world, have been in operation. And it's crystal clear that they save lives That they get people off the street so they're using inside instead of on the sidewalk in front of your kids and they get people in the treatment so this is a massive lost opportunity
0: the governor released a statement after the veto saying that he was concerned about the unintended consequences of uh, passing this legislation um what do you think of that argument
2: i am a supporter of governor newsom he has been a friend for over 20 years I overwhelmingly agree with him, but I could not disagree with him more strenuously on the veto and on the veto message. I don't know what unintended consequences uh, he's referring to. He wasn't specific about that at all. Um, We need to be clear that California would not be breaking new ground here. These sites in Europe, in Canada, in Australia and many cities have been in place for decades. New York City opened up a safe consumption site, several safe consumption sites, almost a year ago. And they have been so successful that Mayor Eric Adams of New York, a law and order Democrat, is advocating to keep them open 24 hours a day because they are so successful in getting drug users off the streets. And so we know they work, that cities have been planning for this. This is not an unknown quantity. And, and to, to say that there are unspecified unintended consequences, uh, I just really, really disagree with that statement.
0: You know, there's much speculation that Governor Newsom has national ambitions in politics and he might run for the presidency. Who knows? Um, do you think that played a role in the veto?
2: Uh, I don't want to speculate about the governor's or anyone else's motivations. We all make policy decisions as elected officials, and it's, I think, always risky to speculate about motivation. Uh, What I will say is that the governor's veto and his veto message were very off base, and I strongly uh, disagree with him.
0: So in the wake of the governor's veto, there's already been talk that San Francisco, for instance, might move ahead anyway, trying to open up some sort of drug injection site, maybe operated by a nonprofit. Um, What do you think should come next?
2: Well, um, job one of government is helping keep people alive, whether it's keeping people alive by reducing gun violence or keeping people alive by reducing overdose deaths. And so I fully support San Francisco moving forward with whatever it thinks appropriate to try to save people's lives. And so if San Francisco decides to move forward with some sort of uh, safe consumption site, the way that New York City has, New York City did not wait for the state to get its act together. New York City just moved forward. Um, We have now seen multiple failures at the state level in the form of a veto by Jerry Brown and now a veto by Gavin Newsom. And so I am fully supportive of San Francisco moving forward.
0: All right. That is State Senator Scott Wiener of San Francisco. Uh, Senator, thanks for joining us on the California Report.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: California voters think the state is headed in the wrong direction. That according to a new poll from the Berkeley Institute of Governmental Studies. But they're not taking it out on Governor Newsom as he runs for re-election. Here's KQED political
2: reporter Guy Marzorati. 52% of voters say California is on the wrong track, but Newsom's approval ratings are on the rise. The IGS survey finds 53% of registered voters approve of the job the governor is doing, a five-point improvement from February. Those marks could help Newsom sail to re-election this November. The same poll finds Newsom leading his Republican challenger, State Senator Brian Daly, 55% to 31% among likely voters. For the California Report, I'm Guy Marzorati. Once a reliable stronghold
0: for Republicans, Orange County has become a contested battleground for congressional races in recent election cycles. And this year is no different. KQED politics correspondent Marisa Lagos takes a look at one district in northern Orange County that Democrats are hoping to flip.
1: It's a hot summer night, and Democratic congressional candidate Jay Chen has just arrived at the Garden Grove Police Station, where the city is hosting its National Another Night Out, an annual event aimed at connecting law enforcement with their community. yeah, good, good. So I'm a lieutenant commander in the Navy Reserves and a community college trustee at Mount San Antonio College. About 15 minutes away, in a Target parking lot in the city of Westminster, Republican Congresswoman Michelle Steele is doing the rounds at that city's National Night Out event. Fire
3: so, yeah, chief behind the beach. Nice to see oh, you. I see. Yeah, yeah, I see you. Yeah, I
1: see too. Wow. Steele won in 2020 in what was then a district where Republicans had a registration advantage. But redistricting has completely reshaped the area she's running to represent. No longer dominated by the more conservative coastal cities, the new 45th district stretches as far east as Brea and includes Cerritos in Los Angeles County. Democrats have a five-point registration advantage. It's anyone's election to win or lose. Jody Bama is a political science professor at Cal State Fullerton, who's been watching OC Politics for more than two decades. Bama says despite the registration numbers, Chen has a challenge ahead. Steele's well-known in Orange County. She served time on the Board of Supervisors, and along with her husband, has been active in GOP politics here for decades, Bama says. But she's also a staunch conservative. Just this summer, she voted against same-sex marriage and contraception access, and she's co-sponsor of a bill that would ban all abortions at the federal level. So I think she reflects the old district. However, the district has fundamentally shifted so that very few people who will be voting in November have had Michelle Steele as an incumbent congresswoman. That gives Chen, a lieutenant commander in the U.S. Navy Reserves, a small business owner, and the president of a local community college board, an opening in this purple county, Obama says. If Michelle Steele can frame the question that she is a moderating vote against a Biden AOC agenda... She has an advantage. If Jay Chen can get his biography, you know, an an intelligence officer in the Navy, a Harvard graduate, that's a biography that really appeals to a lot of Orange County voters. When she's campaigning, Steele says she underscores her votes against tax increases and government spending and support for harsher criminal penalties and police. Voters, she says, are angry this year about inflation, gas prices, and crime. And it's not just Republicans. She says no party preference or NPP voters are also men.
3: Usually, NPP are like a kind of um, quiet about who they're going to vote and stuff. Now it's totally different. They said, you know what, I need somebody who can take care of the economy, crime, and other stuff.
1: But Chen's not trying to change the subject. He's leaning into a different framing when he talks about pocketbook issues.
0: I want to make sure that we bring down uh, costs, tackle inflation. There's a lot of price gouging going on right now. We've got Chevron and Exxon. They've made $30 billion in profits in the last quarter. That's much more than they ever made before, while we're paying record high prices at the pump.
1: One thing both candidates like talking about is their own family stories. Steele was born in Korea and grew up in Japan. Chen's parents are Taiwanese and moved to the Midwest before Chen was born. Both are hoping those backgrounds will help them connect with voters in a district that's more than one-third Asian. For the California Report, I'm Marisa Lagos in Orange County.
0: Let's turn to work and pay. A new report finds that most early childcare workers in California make far less than a living wage and that many earn less than they did before the pandemic. KQED's Amanda Stupai has more.
1: Providers running small daycare centers out of their homes make between sixteen dollars and $30,000 a year. Lead teachers at larger centers don't get much more than that, according to a study from UC Berkeley's Center for the Study of Childcare Employment. Elena Montoya, a lead author on the report, says compensation for early child care workers needs to be overhauled.
3: And so we're really willing to acknowledge that The system is funded through these really low wages that these mostly women of color make in our state.
1: And until we're willing to address that, programs are going to continue to struggle to hire people. Analysts say California's child care workforce has shrunk by about 10 percent since early 2020. For The California Report, I'm Amanda Stupay. A
0: judge has sentenced a Bay Area man to more than a decade in prison for obstructing a probe into the 2020 murder of a federal officer in Oakland and child pornography charges. KQED's Alex Hall has more.
3: Robert Jesus Blancas drew the attention of authorities after a fellow member of a militia he had joined murdered a protective service officer outside Oakland's federal building. Blancas pleaded guilty to conspiracy to obstruct justice for deleting the militia group's files. As part of his plea agreement, Blancas also admitted to exchanging sexually explicit messages, photos, and videos with underage girls. Blancas's plea resulted in a 10-and-a-half-year sentence. Alan Dressler is his attorney.
2: It was clear he was going to get a serious sentence, and the judge imposed not only a serious sentence, but an appropriate sentence.
3: Blancas is the fourth member of the anti-government group to be sentenced this year. For The California Report, I'm Alex Hall in San Francisco.
0: And that is the California Report for Tuesday, August 23rd. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great morning.
2: Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Healthcare, alerting listeners to the critical blood shortage in the area. Now's the time to donate blood and make a difference. Stanfordbloodcenter.org. Paint care now with 834 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute. Coming this fall, the launch of research vessel Falkor 2 advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration on the web at SchmidtOcean.org.
1: That's right, a dollar and ninety nine cents. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading!